Ad Speaks Houston, the Addy Award-winning podcast, giving you the inside scoop on Houston advertising and marketing. Created and produced by Radio Lounge for the American Advertising Federation Houston chapter at aaf-houston.net. Thanks for listening. For nearly 40 years, Susie Jennings has created impactful advertising for some of the world's largest brands. Most importantly, the work produced tangible results. Hey, that's a good thing for her clients in just about every product and service category. Susie brings the unique ability to understand the business need, find the consumer connection to the brand, and create the compelling messages that drive action. All three of those things are essentials, by the way. As a boutique firm, Oxford Ideas, her clients gain direct access to an award-winning creative leader in a nimble and cost-effective model, and actually enjoy the process. Hey, what about that? And uh, Susie is naturally curious, level-headed, a real go-getter, an absolute straight shooter. I can confirm that. Uh, An experienced creative team leader, a prolific ideator, award-winning copywriter, energized presenter, and proven results getter. Susie, I love the qualifications here. You're just missing ASDF, JKL, uh, whatever it is. Uh, You're for B2B, B2C, CPG, M&I, M&M, QSR. And all of those things that go along with your your role as a a fun person to be in a business that we all love. Yes, indeed, Susie Jennings, we get a chance to figure out what the heck you're all about. Because you seem to be having a lot of fun doing these things that you do. Is that right? I'm having the time of my life, right? And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's the big deal. It's a podcast. Uh, uh, you know, and, and it's so much fun through uh, for the American Advertising Federation uh, here in Houston to be able to talk to so many people, not only in Houston, but around the world, uh, and let them understand who are the extraordinary components of uh, advertising uh, here in Houston, you being one of those. Uh, you, you, are, you are just, uh, um, I guess you just, it would seem to me that you've, you've done this all your life, You've enjoyed this. You, you found your you found your passion, and you've just been doing that. Would that be a correct statement? I think that's an absolute perfect statement, Ray. I mean, I hope that everybody listening to this has a similar experience. Uh, this business has been very, very good to me, to quote Jose Cruz, yes. and uh, it's it's just a joy. I, I I love coming to work every day. I like listening in and having new projects to think about. I think one of the great things about our industry, and also works great for cocktail parties, is you learn a little about a whole lot of different businesses. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you need to speak down hole, you can do that. If you need to speak about how uh, the hot dog was made, you can do that. So I think it feeds curiosity, this business. And and, uh, I think the best ad people are inherently curious. I think I think you're a really great example of somebody, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, Susie, who uh, has just uh, was named this past year the 2021 Silver Medal Award winner. If you were at the American Advertising Federation Awards, uh, you saw that uh, she's also uh, 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 proud to hold a place on Adweek Magazine Creative All Stars team. Uh, have you been named uh, one of ten women to watch in the Southwest uh, Awards from Communications Arts? AIGA print magazine, the tellies, of course, the American Advertising Awards, where you win awards. And but, but here, here's what I see when I think of Susie Jennings. I think of somebody 
I think there are some people in our industry who almost uh, attack it from uh, uh, a frustrated side. In other words, yeah, things aren't the way they used to be. Things are going wrong. Uh, you know, things aren't good. I don't think that you do it that way. I think that you approach, uh, like you just said a few moments ago, uh, every day is going to be a, a, a win, a positive win. Would you say that's true? I think it's absolutely correct. Um, I think if you come into a project or a situation and all you're thinking about is what used to be, you're not going to move ahead. Yeah. And you're going to, you're going to, it's a trap. You're going to sit in that same mouse trap and rue the day instead of looking out and seeing what's on the horizon. Yeah. And I'm not talking about technology so much. It's just being able to shake off some of the precepts that you have. I like coming to the party just stiffed up, clean, and with big ears and ready to go. That's well, what a great, great attitude, Susie. You're um, you, you're a graduate of the University of Texas at uh, Texas at Austin. Yeah, babies, that's a great place go to start. Horn. You got it, and you you have uh, you've been with Bozell and Jacobs you, uh, as a senior copywriter, broadcast producer, and uh, for for quite some years um, uh, with uh, uh, FKM and uh, Fogarty Klein, then Ninth Wonder, and such like that. So you've got a, a, a rich history of of being a part of our industry. Let's dial back, and I want to do a quick uh, visit to this past year. Obviously, you're a survivor. You're uh, celebrating a birthday. Birthdays are always good. Um, uh, how are you coming out of COVID? How are things going for you, uh, both personally and for, for the business? COVID has actually been um, kind of a gift. I know that is a horrible thing to say in light of the terrific suffering that so many people have been through. But being sequestered, having a little more time at home, not reporting to a desk every day, has just allowed the anxiety level of our situation to kind of calm down. You know, my husband and I established Oxford Ideas during COVID and, uh, you know, happily through the years have made many associate, made great associations with people and companies. And so, you know, we've been very actively kind of looking out and reconnecting with people. And I think a lot of people felt that during COVID, you know, that we were sitting here in our little home and and uh, saying, wow, I really miss so-and-so and just reaching out and having the moment and the time to do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm very fortunate. We have a lovely house in the Heights. I'm looking out of my office window right now onto a big magnolia that's putting out white blossoms. Yeah. And I watch the squirrels every day. So I'm kind of zen. Yeah. No. <laughs> I never would ever ever use that word to describe myself, but I'm pretty zen right now. I think it's really cool. It, 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 again, that's a part of your personality, and I, and I, I agree with you there. I, I what you said before, I, I totally agree with. Uh, uh, the, the pandemic taught us a lot about who we are and how we can uh, be a little bit better about doing the things uh, that we do. And there are those that seize the opportunity. And by the way, our magnolia tree for the first time in many years is also blossoming as well. It's like, yeah, baby, I know the Zen feeling. It's a good thing. Yeah, Susie, um, are are you from Houston area? I didn't ask you that uh, off off uh, before the podcast. Are you from this area as well? I am not from Houston, though I could count myself as a total Houstonian. I'm a native Texan, born in San Antonio. 
worked at the Pitluck Group after college, which was a you know the big time agency in San Antonio at the time. Mm-hmm. Made great friends there. Came to Houston in what year was it? Nineteen seventy-eight. Seventy-eight, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was a fun, uh, a fun thing. I came to interview with Bozell and Jacobs, which is where I met uh, Bill Fogarty and Rich Klein. They were the managing directors of Bozell at that time. And uh, I got on my Southwest airline uh, flight home and announced to the plane, "I'm moving to Houston. Where should I live?" <laughs> and. <laughs> And so many people were so cool. Oh, well, what do you like to do? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of bohemian in nature, and, you know, I like being around fun things to do. Oh, well, you should try the Montrose or this. And so I got all these different neighborhood suggestions uh, just on the, what, 40-minute flight home and started looking for a place to be and did end up in the Montrose, which is funny, and then have moved – just north of there to the Heights and stayed in the Heights ever since. What a great area the Heights is, too, as well. It, it, and it continues just to, to blossom like that magnolia tree does in your backyard as well. I, I it's ca- so crazy, right? When we when we moved to the Heights, when I moved to the Heights, I mean, I always called it a neighborhood in transition because yeah. you would have one charming little cottage and then next door you would have, you know, the plaid Herculon sofa and a refrigerator on a front porch. So <laughs> you don't see that so much anymore. <laughs> no, and that's what makes neighborhoods so special when you have things like that uh, going on. That's You can tell that a transitional neighborhood is, is happening, and, and that's kind of wonderful. So you found a good place. You know, did you wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to do this advertising thing? We're all driven by some emotion or a vision of what we want to be when we grow up. Uh, maybe... I haven't grown up yet, so I, I really don't know the answer to that question. But what was your vision? When did you get the When did you get the bug to do what you do? Um, I think it was in high school. Uh, I didn't I didn't set my uh, sights on advertising per se, but I knew I wanted to be in a creative field. I had the ridiculous delusion that I was some kind of an artist. So not true. Uh, I like to write music and songs and. Uh, I knew I wanted to write, so I started out in journalism at UT, and, um, you know, as part of the curriculum there, you, you write obituaries. Well, you know, I had never really been surrounded by any kind of death at that point in my life, so I wrote kind of funny obituaries, Good. and my teacher basically said, you know, you might not be right for this field, mm-hmm. and so, and he said, try advertising, so I switched majors to advertising. And just immediately loved it, loved it. Um, It was a great class taught by great people and exposed me to a lot of friends that I still have today, some of whom are right here in Houston. Wow. You know? Wow. Yeah, I know. It it just goes on. I was terrible at it, by the way. So Uh, does I took a summer Go ahead. Go ahead. I took a um, summer class so I could gain some extra credit, and um, I took a design course. Really bad idea, and um, but it was taught by a magnificent teacher, Dr. Rubin, who is no longer with us, and uh, I was surrounded again by some really fantastic people, and I was doing very poorly. I mean, it was the type of thing where you would do your design and your ad, you'd get an assignment like do an outdoor board, and that was it, and so I would do an outdoor board, and everyone, you would pin your work up on the wall, and the TAs would come by, 
and look at it, and then Dr. Rubin would go each page by page by page for each student. And when he got to mine, it was like, you see this? This is awful, and would just rip it to shreds. <laughs> but I knew I knew I was I knew I was destined to be in this business, and my dear friend uh, Bob Mills, who's a designer, just crazy talented, uh, basically wrapped his arms around me, and he said, "Z, you are not having any fun. This is the problem. You're trying to be the David Ogilvy School of Advertising. That you're learning the ad school, and not being in the creative side of life that you learn here." And that kind of broke the chain for me and um, the next thing I put up on the wall was his favorite thing on the wall so that was very encouraging and I try to remember that moment every time I get stuck or try to be too I don't know safe yeah yeah isn't it great that you've got that to hang on to uh, as kind of a kind of a safety uh, safety net you know you can always go back to that and, and draw strength from that uh, Z, what what are some of the best times for you in the ad business? And I know you're probably going to say they probably haven't happened yet, but I bet you've had a lot of great um, great stuff along the way. Um, you know the the actual process of creativity in a team setting is my favorite thing in the universe. I mean, when the ideas start flying, and uh, I'm kind of a spewer, so I'll fill up a whiteboard, and I love it when that energy is in the room, you know, what you take away from it to me is soul filling. And, um, so I, I don't, I can't think of a specific Ray. I wish I could. I have a terrible memory for those things, but every time I'm on a phone with somebody in a room with somebody and we're just throwing out ideas, that to me is the whole reason to be in this business. You don't get that kind of energy somewhere yeah. else. And the fact that in a, brainstorming situation, whether it's with the client or whomever, that anything goes, that's perfect. I mean, you may end up with a, you know, a more conservative option when it comes to reality, but for that brief moment in time when the dry erase markers are running out of ink, um, that to me is a thrill. Do you have stock in dry erase markers by any chance or no? Damn, I wish I did. <laughs> yes. I wish I did. <laughs> well, I use my window as my dry erase board, so it's kind of fun, too. Oh, that's perfect. I like that. What a great backdrop. for. Oh, that's wonderful. That is wonderful. Don't, don't let the sun hit it for too long, or else you're going to have to get your Mr. Clean magic eraser out. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, about, okay, what about the most challenging times in, in, in the ad business? Any, anything jump out there? Um. I would say the most challenging times or when, uh, you know, there's economic downturn in the economy, um, you know, and we lose our friends and coworkers to misfortune. Um, the, the thing, you know, that's, that's sad and that's awful and life-changing on a bad way, but what it really does is it just starts to steal your confidence, and that is, uh, that's a hard thing to repair. Sure. So yeah. I would say that that the, the economic downturns that we have seen as a group in our industry, um, you know, they they bring you down, and then you have to find that inner core to say, yeah. I can survive this. I need to do. I need to learn something new. I need to expand myself. So you're a little more bu- bulletproof, but um, 
Yeah. Mostly it's it's this kind of insecurity or confidence that gets shaken and and uh, that just can't happen in our industry. You've got to be you've got to feel like you can do anything. Yeah. Well, that that's a great perspective. What uh, what makes uh, Mondays still great for Z? What makes the start of There's the week? There's Monday? Crazy? Yeah. There, Sorry no. when when you when, when you're working from home in your own business Monday doesn't really matter. <laughs> good, good. I like that answer. Yeah, I mean, it's really true. I I kind of, uh, you know, and I, I know I speak for a lot of my fellow creative people. There's no weekend, there's no night, and there's no Monday. Beautiful. Um, Mondays have never been a problem for me. I like coming to work. Yeah. Um, I hate Tuesdays. Tuesdays Why? Why Tuesday? Well, Why? Tuesdays are when clients have recovered from their weekend and they decide that they want something brand new and forever beautiful to happen that's due on Friday. I see. So I hate Tuesdays and Fridays. And and unrealistic deadlines sometimes. But but knowing knowing you as I do, you probably step up and say, "Well, let me see what I can do for you." And then you go ahead and pull it off and they think it's magic, right? There's a, uh, you know, Unrealistic deadlines are just table stakes in the industry. That doesn't shake me at all. Yeah. Uh, as long as you have uh, the resources to do the work and the energy and the bandwidth to really put your best effort toward it. And that's, that's I think, what shakes people about deadlines is not really having the mental bandwidth to accept the challenge. Yeah. So, yeah. But, that, 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 but, you know, with, with age comes the understanding of how to kind of time manage yourself a little better. In mm. fact, I think, if anything, the age in the industry, that's what you learn more than anything is time management. And, and possibly a, a softening of some of the harshness of our world as well to accept, uh, you know, in other words, you, you, you develop a skin, uh, so to speak, uh, where the things that may rattle someone don't rattle you as much as like having a callus on your hand or something like that you're protected and you, you've been there done that got the t-shirt let's try it again because we've done this before this is not the first time around for us would you say that's true i would say that's totally true and being surrounded by people who have a shared experience of that really helps because you can't help but being shaken sometimes yeah. and you get stymied you know it's like for me it's like walking into dsw i go in for a pair of black sandals and I just get frozen there's just so much right so yeah. you have that wall of oh my god I can't I can't move and uh, it just takes a moment or a good friend or somebody that says hey remember when you did this and remember what fun we had when we did that and it's like oh yeah that was great and then boom you know again the chains come off and you can start moving again um, and then you go you know, get the sandals the the yeah. <laughs> I think the other thing is that um for creative success, I think you really have to stay pretty open-minded. I mean, I think it's great. Uh, I think it's essential that you believe in the product that you're producing and you stand by it and you advocate for it and you make sure that it becomes bulletproof to anyone who's going to view it or participate in it on the client side or even internally, you know, as you move your idea through the, through the system. But, you know, if a client wants to change a word or something like that, that doesn't matter to me one bit, as long as it's not an essential element to the overall concept. I always tell, you know, and when clients are 
kind of tentative about that. I'm like, I've got a dictionary full of words. It's okay. What are you want? What do you want to feel? What do you want to hear? Yeah. That is not that this isn't getting there. And uh, I long before the embrace failure thing came up, I, I like showing clients work that. I know they're not going to like, or putting a sentence in there that I know is going to get kicked back because that begins a conversation that allows me to know their sensitivities and their reasoning so much deeper than if it's all just, oh, I love it all, yeah. but yeah, I think, but. I think that's how our, our, our world has changed a little bit uh, over time as well. Uh, we have a, we have a, a, a deeper understanding and, a, and an ability to listen a little bit more intently to uh, the client, the need, and their vision uh, for the product, and hopefully a good product that everyone believes in as well. You know, you you you've done this uh, for quite a while. You you've done this for Bozell and Jacobs. You were here from in '78, and uh, in 1984, uh, you went to uh, uh, to Fogarty Klein, Monroe, and uh, that became, of course, Ninth Wonder. Um, those are two incredible agencies that were here in Houston. Um, what makes both of those agencies so successful? What's the, what are some of the key elements of both Bozell and of Ninth Wonder, Fogarty, Klein, Monroe? Uh, I would say caliber of people, mm-hmm. number one. I mean, you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, Bill Fogarty and Rich Klein started Fogarty and Klein, which was a, you know, Talk about a tiny shop. I mean, it was basically them and, uh, you know, an office manager. And then the, all of the creative work was done freelance. And I freelanced for them in their offices for many years. Wow. But the, they had such fantastic relationships with their clients. There was a real sense of trust that went on. And I think that has flowed through um, the organization, you know, up through multiple name changes and acquisitions and you know, changes in percentage of uh, broadcast work to B2B, et cetera. I mean, it's just shifted and rolled. And I think if you hire, uh, you seek out, you hire and you nurture talented people with the intellectual strength to move with the paces that you will continue to succeed. And if you, and especially if you establish and really nurture the trust of your clients. Hey, Susie, how do you, you know, people like Bill, God, I love Bill. Uh, he, he's so yeah. much, he's so much a part of our industry, so much a part of our city. Um, and, and he's such a, a wonderful man. How do you, how do you get uh, up and coming creatives to take advantage of his wisdom, his experience? Is, is, has that been a tough thing to translate the past to the future? for you at all? Well, no. I mean, I, I hope that we all carry our lessons learned with us. You yeah. know, I mean, every person is a repository for best-in-class practices, right? Every yeah. person. Every person's experiences need to be compiled in their own memory banks so they can pay it forward to the project they're working on or the general or the intern that they're mentoring or whatever. I mean, you know, my life experiences and my client experiences way into the work I'm doing right now. Yeah. Uh, without them, I'd be kind of stumbling in the dark or not have some guideposts that say, ah, you know what, 
I'm going to play devil's advocate and allows you that that's a huge benefit there is just a little more experience uh, allows you to pay play instant devil's advocate with yourself as you're ideating okay. and just saying, you don't know no, this sucks and this this is why yeah. it doesn't get you to a safe place it just helps you uh, you know draw a line through ideas that you might have hung up on and you want to see how far they'll go but they stuck you know so you need to just you know crumple the paper and move on yeah do do you get a lot of uh, uh, creatives new to the business coming to you say Z let me buy you lunch I want to pick your brain uh, I want to find out what uh, what makes you tick you get that um you know no not really <clears throat> happy to help anybody it was interesting when I kind of made the transition from ninth wonder into uh, freelance uh, kind of world and then especially ray you know when the announcement of the silver medal was made i mean i was overwhelmed i mean i was overwhelmed with outpouring of you know congratulations and then these little microcosmic stories i of you know i remember when you helped me through this or you know thanks for staying up for me with me those nights at the agency or whatever you don't realize I don't think you really realize the impact that you have on other people's lives until you have a big life moment that um, kind of puts your name out in front somehow. Yeah. And it, it was just heartwarming. I mean, I'm, I'm almost in tears right now. Like I am. Damn you, Ray Shillings. <laughs> uh, it was just. It was. It was just so meaningful to me. Yeah. So, so meaningful. It's funny. I have not asked this question, but it was, how does it feel to win an award from your peers? And you just told me the story. So I don't have to ask that question now. But thank you for the answer. And that what that says about you, Susie, is that you remain humble. You remain, um, you, 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 you're, just a, you're just a regular person who's doing what they love. And, and it just happened to come with a few uh, perks along the way including uh, this uh, 2021 Silver Medal Award. But ironically, you know what's true, Susie? You do not know how many more awards you've won because they don't make awards for everything that people do uh, in our lives. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they don't, in other words, it doesn't jump up. Well, here's another one for you, Susie. Here's another one. No, no, no. And what you're going to be feeling uh, throughout uh, the rest of your life, long life, is is you, you, these things will come to the surface and you'll go wow i didn't know i did that it's kind of cool so <laughs> congratulations again and i promise not to make Thank you cry you. anymore uh you've also an appreciation of music i've always believed that our industry has a rhythm advertising has a rhythm everything has a rhythm and i want to uh, uh get a description of of from you of how those things come into play in, into advertising and that'll segue us into terry Santani. And your relationship uh, with Terry, the musician, um, uh, who who uh, we saw on your silver medal video as well. So the rhythm of the industry, talk about that. Well, the rhythm of the industry, just like anything you listen to on the radio, is ever changing, upbeat, somber, and sometimes a little reggaeton. Mm -hmm. um, I love music always have i believe in music and advertising like so much uh i'm starting to uh realize just notice lately that more and more brands are going back to branded music uh you know the word jingle has been kind of vilified over the ages but damn it 
you know, nothing puts an earworm in a consumer's mind than something they can hum along to or sing to. Yeah. Uh, even if it's a little mnemonic device like, you know, Liberty, 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 yes. Liberty. Or meow, I mean, meow, goose- meow. Yeah, meow, 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 or the Oscar Mayer jingle, for gosh yeah. sakes, which I, I think I would challenge all of our listeners to sing to themselves uh, tonight <laughs> uh, while they're grilling their hot dogs. Yes, yes. Um, so the rhythm of the, the, rhythm of the industry, uh, you know, it shifts and moves and, and advances, and I, I think that sometimes everything old is new again is a, is a good um, kind of a guidepost for that. The actual music writing, Terry Sintani, Terry Sheik, for many who may have known her through her uh, creative production, film production years, uh, has always been a songwriter since she was like eight years old and a guitar player. And she and I were roommates uh, at one point, housemates here in the Heights in a house that we uh, called uh, the Waldorf Hysteria. (laughs) Uh, We were... We were kind of party people. We burned up seven blenders in our time together there. But of course, and uh, and uh, and we had a great time. You know, two single gals in a, in a crazy ad biz that was just full of such interesting and vivacious people. I mean, it was it was great. Uh, we had a music room set up in the house uh, with guitars, amps, uh, bass, drum set, keyboard, the whole thing. Uh, I will say right now, I can't play an instrument. Um, I tried to play keyboard, but I sound like a really angry church lady whenever I'm on the keys. I have zero <laughs> finesse. <laughs> but I have music in my head. And uh, if I can express that, uh, somehow it gets translated by fabulous music producers that I work with on an industry side and uh, and lyrics in my head that Terry Apley takes and transforms into some of the songs that we've written together. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you guys were good. There was no doubt about that. There was definitely a passion and a talent. And someday you'll take piano lessons, maybe uh, from somebody here locally, and then learn how to play the piano. It would be a great thing. I mean, it's never too late to do that, you know, Z. Oh, no. I have a keyboard. Set oh, up. Okay. I mean, good. I've got my books and whatnot. I've got an um, instructor for you that you can even do tele oh. lessons, so it's a good thing. His name is Bell Lewis. He's been a part of our... Uh, American Advertising Federation, Houston events and such like that as well. So I, I gotta appreciate hook you two, his contact. I, I gotta hook you guys up. You'd be good at that as well. So and and and, and, and Terry is is also uh, in, incredibly incredibly talented. I'm gonna touch on something real quick here. Uh, this was from Adweek. Um, it's basically how brands should address social issues. An article. It says gone are the days when brands could safely stand on the sidelines of social issues today. More than two-thirds of U.S. shoppers say it's important uh, for companies to be clear about their values, according to research from uh, Kantar. And um, one more quote, it says, we live in a society where we're being pushed for brands and companies to have a positive impact beyond the product that they provide. This is another element, although really maybe not necessarily a new element, but this is something that... um, that brands are starting to do now. You're starting to get a sense of their place in the world, their beliefs, their their desires for for change. How do you feel about that? Uh, is that something that uh, seems to me that we've always been doing, but it seems like there's a push for more of it now these days. What do you think about that? I think there's uh, an an obvious push for more of it. I mean, consumers want to know that the companies they're doing business with 
uh, that the products they are creating are, you know, good not only for their efficacy, but also has some sort of environmental uh, benefit and or not harm, probably more than anything. Uh, corporations have long been uh, good citizens, but the spotlight is on everyone to do more yeah. and to act in an ethical and equitable manner. And I think it's I think it's really good. What I don't like is when um, companies become vilified because they're not so outward with that um, declaration of we're good people. Yeah. And I think we all have to be a little careful about how judgmental we are. Uh, just coming right out of the bag. That's yeah. all. That's all I see is that there's a real there's a speed to judgment that I don't think was there a decade ago. And I think everybody just needs to chill a little bit and, um, you know, accept it. If you're, if you're totally dedicated, you won't do business with someone that doesn't declare their, um, you know, corporate citizenry or their humanity, Mm -hmm. then don't. Uh, but if it's important to you, you'll go find the people that you want to endorse their products or their services, and those products and services will grow because of it. Yeah, it's it's a it's yeah. a natural it's a natural transition, or not transition, but it's a natural evolution of of uh, the, the spoken word, what we're or in, and the printed word, or whatever. Right? I think I think it's a really good thing. I, I don't mean to be kind of cavalier about it. I mean, you know, in light of this kind of social movement. Uh, you know, companies have responded in kind, you know, adding sustainability officers, adding diversity officers, uh, you know, really looking at safety in the workplace uh, more stringently. So I think the, the the outcome has been very beneficial to just a better way to work yeah. uh, for America. Yeah. Uh, and there'll always be outliers and there'll always be kind of the St. Francis of Assisi companies and there'll be those that are doing as much as they can. Yeah. Um, you know, this th- that type of thing is not always easy. A lot of it uh, comes at the price of giving up your profitability or being having to scale back on your growth in order to support those efforts. They are worthwhile, but everything has to be in balance, just like nature. Good ideas, good ideas. You're like the Energizer bunny, Susie. 36 <laughs> years alone with FK&M, you continue to embrace advertising, our industry, this city. Uh, any thoughts of uh, sailing off into the sunset, possibly, in, in Austin one of these days soon, or are you going to stick with us for a while? Well, do you have a boat big enough for us all, Ray? I'll sail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 36-foot Columbia, baby, and we'll take that. Okay, it'll be good. How's that? No, I, I have no thoughts of sailing off in the sunset. Um, you know, retirement really isn't a word I, I, I use very much. Uh, I think that Having my own business allows me to set a different pace, and uh, that's a welcoming change. But uh, you know, I'm busy, and I like staying busy. It makes my my brain work better across the board. I don't want to just sit and watch Jeopardy. Though I'm pretty damn good at it, I have to say, I'm pretty oh, good. freaking yeah. good at Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> except the geography part. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, we're working. We're doing this. Um, one question here. Um, well, at some point in time, Oxford Ideas uh, offer uh, creative obituaries as part of the services there, or no? Uh, if you want to die laughing, call me. <laughs> 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 I 
Yes. You know, I did. You know, this is what's crazy is in my first job at the Piltlock Group, we had a we had a client called Porter Loring, which was a large funeral service there. And uh, for a Christmas party, kind of a gag, we did a jingle for Porter Loring and uh, in our little in-house studio. And uh, the cut line was, uh, hurry on down to Porter's. He's the last to let you down. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, that was supposed to be 100% internal, but the kind folks at Porter Loring got a hold of it, and then they fired us. <laughs> so be careful, people. What you do? It's, I, I feel like I'm listening to an episode of WKRP, but that's fine. It, it was very. You know what? That was kind of what life was like a lot. I mean, there's a there's a there's a level of silliness I think yeah. that is so so beneficial to the you know the creative uh, DNA to everyone. You know that sometimes you just have to be silly, and uh, so I say embrace silliness. Along with failure, more silliness than failure. Please. I like I like that balance of the, the the failure with silliness. You got it, man. Susie Jennings, curious, creative, committed. No, she hasn't been curious, creative, committed, and silly. We're adding that, <laughs> <laughs> Susie. Thank you, you you are an absolute, incredibly cool part of our industry. So please don't stop. Just keep doing what you're doing. Okay. Absolutely. And Ray, can I just take a moment to congratulate you and Kay and everyone uh, that's been involved with AAF Houston over the past year or so. I believe that you guys have done a magnificent job of reinvigorating the organization. Uh, just the look, the feel, the attitude just feels like it just went through a major makeover. So, and the new, and the new graphics as well. So, Congratulations to all involved. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you much. Let's talk again soon, okay? I look forward to it. Ad Speaks Houston is the Addy Award-winning podcast created and produced by Radio Lounge for the American Advertising Federation Houston chapter. Find out more at aaf-houston.net. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you'll never miss a new podcast. Your rating on iTunes will help us grow, and don't be afraid to share what you've heard today on social media. We also invite you to meet the people that represent District 10, the American Advertising Federation. Check out Adtention, the podcast for District 10 on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, thanks for listening. Ad Speaks Houston, copyright 2021. I'm Ray Shillings.